Welcome back, Rebels. You've been uh, drinking a little bit of beer recently, have you? I have been drinking a little bit of beer. I'm always drinking a little bit of beer. But yeah, I see where you're, I see where you're going with this, because uh, we're having a conversation just before we started about my trip to Tesco's yesterday. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by Tesco's. However, I had an interesting revelation as I was purchasing. So I was in Tesco's yesterday, and I purchased like a bunch of things for dinner, but I also purchased two types of drink. And I was like, okay. And then as I was walking home, and I was like, actually kind of thinking back of myself, and I was like, oh shit, I've just spotted something in my own behavior here that is actually probably what a lot of people do in society. And so what had happened is I bought, so my two drinks were, it was a bottle of Ribena, so like a big bottle of squash, like dilute, have delicious drinks of it. Mm, uh, and then I bought a can of craft beer. So, and I was thinking like, what's interesting is I'm going to buy that craft beer, which in theory is some form of status signal because there's so there's, you could buy all sorts of different beers in that shop. But something about the way that I position myself and the status that I want to have is to be someone who knows a lot about beer. Um, so I happened to buy this nice kind of beer instead of all of the different ones. But I was thinking when we talk about status in terms of buying things as a way to improve your status to other people, I suppose in one way to think about it, I could buy that. And then the fact that I'm talking about this now is building up my status around that. Um, but if I never talked about that, then that's just building up status within myself. And as humans, we have this idea of who we are and kind of what's right, what's wrong. And part of like what intelligence is, is being able to reinforce that opinion of what we have. And I think that's what I was doing yesterday as I was purchasing that. I was thinking, okay, well, no one's ever going to see me drink this, but it reinforces to me my level of status within that area. And I think that's something that when it comes to purchasing products, selling products, that is also worth thinking about because I think quite often we think about, yeah, so if someone goes to buy this brand, it's going to show a certain status to the outside world. But then also so much of that, I think, comes down to who you are yourself. And it's not trying to please the outside world. It's just trying to convince yourself and reinforce your own idea of who you are. And a lot of our life, I think, is trying to kind of work out who we are. And then once we've found that, we then really want to kind of cement in exactly who we are and not have any confusion in there. Yeah, that's why it's so important to stay curious and to be looking at new things that that come along because it's very, very easy to become completely closed off. And uh, my mum and dad, for example, bless them, like they will not try Indian food. They, like, they've just decided in their own brain since the like 1960s or whenever when Indian cuisine was like yeah. new and coming over to this this country, they've looked at it and this doesn't look like your traditional staple British, like, bo- like boring, dry, bland yeah, meals. Yeah. They're like, Indian food is not for us. And I can't like, no matter how much I tell them how delicious it is, they will never, they won't try it because they, they've just got this kind of closed idea of, oh no, we wouldn't like that. And I think that's a, that's a dangerous place to be in. Like fortunately it only um, spreads to cuisine with my family, but if it, if it can spread to other things and other ideas and not being open to letting new ideas into your sphere, then that can be, I mean, that can just be boring. Like, cause your life is all about surprises and discovering new things and staying curious is a great way to just let those things in and and when uh, when we read uh, the book on habits by James Clear and it was it was saying in there that there's a certain amount of our behavior it's something like 60% of everything we do is completely automatic and we don't we don't even think about it and that's yeah. because it takes brain power for us to do anything and the more that our bodies just want to conserve that brain power as much as possible so anything that we can put on autopilot is going to make our lives easier because we don't have to think about it but our lives being easy, as we've often said, that growth and comfort can't coexist. 
And if our brains are always going for that easy route, like that's things like when you've brushed your teeth and you don't even remember doing it because it was just so automatic. But also with with bigger things of like, what am I interested in? What do I believe? What are the what are the things that I buy that tell these stories to myself? Because that because that's the person that I'm trying to be. That's what I'm showing to the outside world. When I look at around my flat, like beautifully designed by my girlfriend and like no one comes here, like no one's definitely come here in the last two years. Like it's only Yana yeah. and I that spend time in this flat yet. It looks absolutely beautiful. It's very much, I mean, there's there's some of me in it, but it's 90% like my girlfriend and, but I wouldn't change it because I I really like coming home to this, this house that is beautifully designed and it makes me feel good. Like that this is where we live and these are the things that we keep around us that, that do reinforce those stories of like the the styles that we like the the kind of quirky little bit out there maybe a little bit different to if I went into my neighbor's flat around here it's not going to look as quirky there's not going to be a green feature wall over there it's like do you know what I mean and, and those are the things that we build around ourselves as the people that we are that's something you said recently that was um that really stuck with me it was something along the lines of the most important thing is how you feel about yourself when you're on your own and I think that like that like you said that and I was like oh that's so interesting because I think a lot of what we do in life when we're out kind of in the outside world is putting on a bit of kind of like a bit of a front so we kind of like make the outside world think everything's okay and we are like we are this kind of like story of ourselves that we're portraying to the world not necessarily who we actually are and what's interesting is like when you think about what you have in your house on your like but no one might ever see like what are those things because there's a good chance that if the things that you have, like if the things that you collect, the things that bring you joy in your own space that the world never sees, what are those things? And I think it's worth acknowledging those because there's a good chance that there's someone else who has those same things. And when I think when it comes to like selling products or kind of selling your service or trying to find people who are similar to you, I think sometimes talking about those things is an easier way to start building those communities, to start finding those people. Because if you're a bit stuck for like, oh, I don't know what to, what route to go down. I don't know which niche to go. Like, just think like if you, if no one else was around and you were just in your own space, what would be important to you then? And like, if you're on a desert island and you could only have so many things with you, what kind of things would you take? If you could only have so many different pieces of art on your wall in your cave on this desert island while you're kind of stuck there or that kind of like idea. And that reminds me of something that Toria said when we interviewed her about kind of what, which would you, what would you miss the most? And I think having that kind of view on something of like, okay, well, what would I miss the most if it wasn't there is maybe an easier way to think about things than like, what's my favorite? Because I think if you say to people like, oh, what's your favorite film? What's your favorite music? Like generally that might be kind of right now, this very second, that might be your answer. Like, well, I like this at the moment, but I'm watching this current TV show and that's my favorite. But then if I said, okay, well, we're going to take away everything. What would you miss the most if you could never watch it again? And I think then suddenly when you have that mindset around it, that's when you suddenly work out what is your favorite, what is the right thing. And then if you can start to flip that into, okay, well, this is the thing that I love. How can you then go and find other people that share that same idea, share share that same mentality about things? I think it's only as soon as you talk about things that you realize actually there are other people around who might believe what I believe. I also think it's the hardest thing on the planet to do. And I know that Brene Brown has made a career from talking about vulnerability. I I feel that currently in my career, I am the most vulnerable that I've ever been. And that 
vulnerability is because I am showing the truest side of myself out to the general public that I've than I've ever showed before. The reason that that makes you vulnerable is because you're then open for any attacks on you that may or may not be coming. I mean, they're probably not coming, but the reason that you feel vulnerable is because you've presented your true self to the outside world. So the person who I feel like I am when I am on my own, that is now who I am trying to be to the outside world. And that is through my artwork that is on this podcast. That is just through having conversations with people that I am meeting every single day. And I have to say it like it is really hard, but like it's definitely getting easier. I think when I first started at the beginning of lockdown, really telling stories and, and putting myself out there, that was when it was at its hardest. And now it's getting much easier to the point where I realized that in a couple of years time, it will just be natural and it will just, it will just flow and it will be like, this is me, take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, yeah, like get fucked. But really like, that's the hardest thing is, is that to get to that stage where you're like, if you don't like it and it's not for you, then get fucked. Because if someone doesn't like it, then that can always feel very difficult. Like, oh, I'm not being accepted. Someone from the group doesn't like me. Yeah. When it comes to that authenticity side of it, if you put out a fake story to the world of like, this is who I am, but it's not really who you are. It's just the kind of like version of the world you want to put out. If someone like shoots that down or doesn't like it, you can just change that story because it doesn't matter because it's not actually who you are. Whereas I suppose, yeah, as soon as you come to putting your authentic self out, if that gets shot down, it that feels so much more scary because that's something like you can't change. It's like, oh, well, this is just who I am. Like I literally can't change that. But it's so important to, I suppose, to to be that honest, open person because it's like you want people to like you for you. And you, I, feel, I feel like you're only going to be happy if you can find people who like you for you, who like you for the things that you do rather than the things that you're, you think other people will like this, so I'm going to do it. And I think that's where a lot of people, especially creatives, get into a bit of like a problem where they've started creating some artwork, they've started creating a, a visual style that isn't them, that isn't something they actually like. They're just doing it because they know that the outside world will like it. And I think then you end up going down this hole of like, end up, you end up in a position where you're doing something that if you'd asked yourself five years ago, what would your dream job be and they they would you'd be like it would definitely be this and then they end up in that situation and they're not happy and it's like they've been striving for something for so long and they end up just not in that position and they're like what i've i've worked for the last five years to get to somewhere that i'm not happy being whereas i think if we take that back to the start and be as authentic as possible going forward yes it might take a bit longer you're not going to get the instant validation from people but that's going to lead to somewhere where you when you actually hit that point you're going to be happy so I heard Seth Godin talk about something the other day where he was mentioning kind of an opera singer and how in the world somewhere there's two opera singers. There's one who absolutely loves their job. It's been their dream since they were younger. They just love every single second of doing that. They love performing. They love everything about it. And then somewhere else there's another opera singer who hates their job. And it's like, well, how do those two people who have the exact same profession, one loves it and one hates it, and they're doing the exact same thing every day, and I think that all comes down to that story that we tell ourselves of like, well, what what is it about this that we like? Do we like this? Can we find a way to like it? Because I think a lot of times, because there's always that grass is always greener kind of mentality of like, oh, well, if I did this other thing, I would be happy doing that. Whereas actually, can you find joy in what you're doing or find a way to slightly adjust what you're doing in a in a way that can make you happier by doing it? Yeah, I, I was speaking to a young writer yesterday and we had a really long, long conversation and I, I could so 
relate to where she was in life because I've totally been there. And I was trying to give her the advice that I wish I had had at that stage of my career. And she was in the stage where she couldn't see the wood for the trees. She didn't know where it was best for her to be directing her time and her energy because on one hand, she has to pay the rent and she's a writer and, and writers are fucked over the world. Like I was going to say in this country, but like the world over, if you're a writer, then it's <laughs> there are a few elites who are earning a great living. And then there are everyone else who is getting paid a hundred quid for a thousand word article um, that they have to write the article first. And then and then the publication goes, oh, we've changed direction. And then you're stuck with this article that you've written and, yeah. then, and you still don't get paid. Like it's a shitty industry. And I feel really, really bad for anyone that's, that's stuck in that. She's like early on in her career and she doesn't know which path to take, which one is the right path. And whether it's just, whether the right path is to, to just pack it all in and go and do a uh, quote unquote proper job. And I was kind of talking to her about, well, like what, what, like, do you really love writing? And would you be writing for free if, because obviously you do have to pay your rent, but like, would you be writing for free if, if you had no, like no worries about your bills? And she said, yes, she would be. So she has at least worked out, like I do love writing. So that's like, that's such a key thing. Like as soon as you've worked out, there is, I do like the thing that I love spending my time on, then everything else is you you've got to put a lot of work into working out how you're going to make that work, how you're going to survive, how you're going to financially flourish. However, if you have figured out the thing that you love, like that is the the main key. Like everything else can be, like everything is figure outable as our friend Marie Forleo would say. But getting that first thing in line is the most important thing because you're like, okay, well, whatever happens now, I know that I need to spend a good amount of my time writing because that's what I love. So whether that's I'm working a job that, just pays the bills so in order to facilitate me writing or whether it's I am writing and I, that's my full-time living. And so if you do want to be a full-time writer, it's, I mean, it's the same across all of the creative spectrums. I mean, really it's, you're going to, you're going to have to get noticed. You're going to have to stand out from the pack. You're going to have to be seen as the person that people want to come to for whatever it is that you write about or whatever it is that you make poetry about or whatever your specific dance style is or what, do you know what I mean? whatever your niche thing is. You're going to have to become well-known and established within that niche so that you are able to charge a premium because there's no one else like you. And that's obviously a very stripped down basic form of how to find success, but I, I do think it maps. And when we talk about finding a passion, finding something that is you want to do and you will, you would do for free, we need to make sure that when we do find that, because it is, it's not easy to get there, that we don't ruin it. And I think that can easily be done by taking on lots of work that we don't want to do. So that writer, for example, has probably spent, she might have loved it from a young age, but maybe it's something that she kind of like fell in love with a bit later in life. So the last thing you want to do is then suddenly put this thing that you've just found you, it's like kind of having this little baby that you absolutely love it's the best thing ever then you're going to go and like just give it to some horrible people and it's going to go and get like people are going to shout it all day they're not going to kind of like give it the love that it needs whereas i think what we need to kind of have a mentality of is i found this thing it's precious like lo lots of people don't have this i should be really grateful for the fact that i have found this thing but it's like how can i use this in a way that's gonna keep me loving it and I think that can be really hard, especially when there's like financial things involved. But I think that's why we shouldn't put so much pressure on 
making our passion into a career so quickly. I think it's something that by building up the skills over time, you'll get to a stage where the work is good enough that people will come to you to pay you for it. What we need to do is make sure that we don't sacrifice these things that we love in order for a quick paycheck when it's like you could just get a separate job working somewhere else. You could have you you could be doing this passion as a side project that just brings you fun, brings you joy. Don't put all your pressure on potentially ruining this thing because then it's like if you've ruined it, if you've said, okay, well, writing is the thing I love. Oh, this, this is what definitely what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. I love it more than anything I've ever done. And then you just work loads of jobs that basically make you hate writing then. Then what are you left with at the end of that? Because it might only take a few years before you fall out of love with writing. So it's making sure that you all, there's always an element of doing something you love with that. And I think, again, if it does come down to you have to pay your rent this month and you need your writing to do that, then I think having the time set aside to still do enjoyable writing is going to be a really important factor there because that's what that's what I do. I always keep so much time within my week aside to just do fun things because that means that because I know like we've I've been through it before where you end up working in something for so long you're like okay this just isn't fun anymore. Like I've I've not done anything fun in so long. Why am I doing this? Like what's the point of working for yourself having all the stresses around being a freelancer, being a sole entrepreneur, being a business owner if you're just doing something you don't enjoy all the time? So it's making sure that you still can go and enjoy your craft, whether that is kind of at the weekends, whether you kind of de- dedicate a certain amount of time in your week to doing the fun things. And also by doing the fun things, that's going to be where you truly grow. That's going to be where you start to experiment. That's going to be where you start to find your own style. And we get ourselves trapped, I think, in this idea of we need to earn money from what we do, that we do it so much that we push it to a limit where we're earning the money but we're not really growing our craft. We're not really improving. We're not really kind of taking ourselves down the route that we actually want to be taken down. Yeah, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier of um, staying curious and and not getting caught in the rat race. And, the, and when it comes to earning money, that's definitely something that can just become that that hamster in a wheel of, I need to, I need this amount for rent and food every month. And this certain job here provides it. And all of my time is just going into this so I can buy this. And then the circle continues and, and it's impossible to break out of. So it's, yeah, it's having that that free time and bit staying curious and improving your work, like getting out of, I'm not just creating the same stuff over and over again because it's paying the bills. I'm looking to different places for new inspiration and I'm staying curious and consistently evolving my style and my operation. And then I'm, and then I'm listening to my audience and, and making sure that that's what, people want to see and I think this is so interesting because the writer that I was talking to said she likes to write about really wacky things and she will pitch them out to a vice or a dazed or wherever and they will go oh no this is not for us so that's a a really big institution that's telling you this is not a good idea and yet when she puts it out to her audience they're her most popular articles so already you're being told there that that institution is wrong It happened to me recently with my show. Um, I hired a PR off of like off of Lucy Werner's advice. I hired a PR to publicize my show and my art drop stunt that I did. And she she pitched it out to to everywhere, like Time Out, Metro, all of those types of places, things to do in London type places for people to come and see the show. No one picked it up, not a single person. So, I mean, 10 years ago, had I not been featured in Time Out 
I would just be sat in the gallery each day crying in the corner because no one would come to see it. And there was a part of me that was going, well, if all of these big institutions, the place, the, the trusted brand names that we look up to, places like a timeout, they don't want to feature me. Does that mean this show is going to be a flop and that my work is shit? And then I put it out on social media and it's been really massively busy. And the, the place where the gallery is doesn't have high footfall. So I know that every single person that comes in through the door has made an effort to come there because they've heard about it on social media. And I didn't need those gatekeepers. I didn't need the, the press from the big decision makers. I had my audience and I, I listen to my audience. I provide them with what they, what they are enjoying as long as it cross-sects with what I'm enjoying. And we've got a winning combination. That's really interesting because when you think about the value of a client, the value of a customer, something you've grown yourself is going to be so much more beneficial to your career than something that's just kind of like come from a source that's kind of like random outside. Because I think about like when we used to have the gallery in Shoreditch, there was like our own gallery space, we used to put shows on every month. We never really sold that much. And I think when we featured in places like Time Out and bigger publications, and we would get more footfall through the show, but they wouldn't necessarily be the right audience for that. They would be for people who just come because they'd seen it and they'd seen something online that says like, this thing's cool. So people are going to go to it because they think by going to this thing, it's going to make them cool. Whereas they're not there to go and actually purchase artwork. They're just there to go and have the experience to go to the event. Whereas I suppose, yeah, if you can grow something, it comes down to like Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans. Like you're building fans there and everyone who walks through that door, because of where it's located, it's not much footfall down there. They're a fan. It's almost like a way to prove how successful you are is to look if you just do something yourself and you tell no one else about it you just publicize it yourself how many people are going to buy that so for example if you put out a book like how many people are going to purchase your book or how much kind of press or pr is needed to actually make people buy that i think this is where the long game and actually kind of just doing your thing being authentic finding the people that are right for you is the most important thing like you're saying earlier that so many people who listen to this podcast came in to see the show and you had lots of really good conversations with people. And it's interesting because it's like those people who listen to the show, they've either they've either found your work and then found the podcast through that, or they've found the podcast and then found your work through that. And I think this is where all the little things that you do in life can be little touch points that can lead into an ecosystem that is becoming your fan. Yeah, it's been so interesting for me to see where people are on that journey. So I've had people come in and again, it's all about flags. Everyone who comes in is telling me the flag where they discovered me. And for some of them, it's, I found a piece of your artwork in the street the other week. And that's that, that was the first flag. So they've literally known about me for two weeks. There's other people who say, I, I saw your first pieces around Shoreditch at the beginning of lockdown. And it's so interesting to see their, warmth towards me and the work the more familiar with me they are the more of my flags that 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 i that they've seen the more experiences that they've had with my work it's like it's it's really been for the stuff that we talk about on this podcast it's really been a very interesting look at yes we are absolutely talking about the right stuff because i've seen it in practice here of like so for example when we did the art treasure hunt i met a couple who were out searching they managed to track us down and and get a free piece of art. They then came to the show and bought a painting. And I'm not sure if they hadn't met me when I was out putting art in the street, 
that they would have like maybe they would have but i don't think they would have like we developed a relationship we had a nice conversation um we could see that we were from the same tribe we could see like the conversation that we had aligned us that we that we believed the same things and so it's so interesting to see the different journeys the different relationships that i'm building with people and and everyone that comes into the gallery i spend time with them like i it's been really important for me to not hire someone to sit in the space that i'm there every single day that i'm talking to every single person that comes in making time to make sure that i get to everyone so that it's like okay you've known me for a week you've just discovered my work and you came down to see what it's all about but we've had a 10 minute conversation and I've asked them what's going on in their life. And because because you're meeting interesting people, like I'm interested in their stories as much as they are in mine, because I'm really bored about telling my story now, because <laughs> like a lot of, <laughs> I'm getting asked a lot of the same questions. So that's been incredible to see like here's, and then you get the people coming in who it's like, oh, I remember when you painted this piece here and then you went and did this thing here. And then I heard you yeah. on this podcast. And it's just like, okay, you're you're deep into the ecosystem. And that's whether they're going to buy something or not, that's not really the issue. Like the issue is that they are what, like they're one of my a thousand true fans because they are really like fully invested and engaged in the work that I'm creating. They want me to make more and they take something from it. They feel something with it. What's interesting as well is when you think about someone who's bought one of those canvases, they're like quite large. So I imagine if someone's got one hung in their home now, They've probably got like not that much wall space in their home that loads of different things could be painted. And they've bought that image, but that's probably not their favorite image in the world of anything ever. So it's like they've picked that piece because of the relationship that they've formed with you rather than because visually this is the best thing that I've ever seen in in the world. And when you think about it like that, it's like so much more of selling art and selling kind of anything that you do is those relationships that you form along the way and it's like people are buying the like a part of the relationship rather than buying a physical item so what we need to start doing is thinking about how can we build more relationship with our audience rather than just how can we show them more things because i think having that approach to it is going to set you up so much better than people who just churn out visuals all the time there's no relationship being formed there's no connection with that audience because uh, it's like if you feel like okay well I've been creating art for I've been doing something forever but I'm not getting anyone to come and purchase anything maybe that's because you haven't built the relationship there we're fortunate with this podcast that we can build relationships every single week by having a effectively a conversation in your ears for like an hour which doesn't really happen in many situations so it's like finding ways that you can build those relationships have those connections be connected to your audience in some way because that at the end of the day is going to what leads to building your brand yeah i really should talk about the treasure hunt uh i mentioned it on an episode before but if you guys haven't heard that basically i to in order to promote my show i distributed a thousand pieces of artwork across london and i spent quite a lot of money in making these uh screen prints that were black and white and then i hand finished every single one with neon paint over the top and spent hundreds of hours like hand finishing every single one i put them in plastic envelopes i put a little card in the back so i printed off business cards on the back they said uh, and i put that in the envelope and it said congratulations on finding uh, an original piece of david speed's artwork there are 250 like this in this part of london 
And uh, if you find it, here's my social media. Tell me where you found it or where it's ending up. And this is to promote my show and then the details of the show. We pitched this out to get press. I got a small interview on BBC London. I was on there for about three minutes. Other than that, no press pickup. I obviously spent all of this money on doing it and hundreds of hours to to prepare it. So I'm there thinking, well, this this could be a flop. Obviously, I've got no uh, case study of this, whether I know that if this is going to be successful or not. And that was that was quite scary. But I mean, <laughs> we always say on this show, like, do the thing, see if it works. If it doesn't work, it's a lesson. And and you said when I was just about to do it, you were like, well, if this doesn't work, it is a lot of money, but it's not going to bankrupt you. And it's a, it's a gamble, like just go and see, just see what happens. So we did it. And it's the best thing that I've ever done in my career, without doubt. It was like just such an incredible, like an incredible, incredible experience and I, I'm so glad I did it and people are already saying to me when are you doing the next one and I'm like dude I can't feel my feet like give me a minute <laughs> seriously um because it like we we walked I walked over 22,000 steps every single day we walked across the whole of London people were we thought we'd put them out at like 5 a.m and then by the time people were waking up at the weekend it would be like 8 9 10 they'd come out and they'd find them but no people were getting up at 5 a.m with us they were looking at where we were on my stories and then they were thinking okay well if he's here that must be the route and then they were cutting me off like heading to where we were going to be and it was just insane and someone said to me did you get a load of new followers from doing this and i looked at my numbers and obviously like obviously there was a few people who'd like just discovered me because they found this piece of art in the street but for the most part, no, I didn't get loads of followers from this. What I got was a so much deeper connection with my audience. And that's exactly what you were describing there. It's like that by doing that, it wasn't just a giveaway because that people do giveaways all the time. It's like yeah. this was so much more of an experience because people were messaging me saying, one person specifically messaged me and said, thank you so much for allowing me to feel like a kid again. So if you can give that gift to your audience of, helping them do yeah. something fun letting them experience something be really be a part of something because that was the amazing side effect of of doing this art stunt that we never could have planned in the beginning was the relationships that people formed so there's people who there's there's a couple who met who've now gone on a date because they met each other out hunting for street art people were saying to me at the opening of my show like oh does that mean there's going to be the first ever david speed wedding um, so I'm rooting for those guys. I really hope they stay together because that would be amazing. But yeah, <laughs> then you've got people becoming new friends through doing this, of people that they've met in the street. And it really became like this community thing of every, and people were out hunting and then they'd see other people turn up at the spot where they'd just taken one from. They'd be looking at their phone. They'd be frantically looking around. And then they were saying, oh, we saw that there's another one down here, like like head this way. And everyone was like helping each other out. It became an incredible experience that I was able to bring people along with. I'm definitely going to do another one, even if I don't have a show to promote, even if I'm just putting cash into into doing it to create this experience, because I had so much fun doing it. I met like I literally met hundreds of people over those four days. Some people by accident, a lot of people because they were trying to track me down and they're clever little buggers. But it is it, <laughs> literally the best thing that I've that I've done. And I have had a consistently busy show. And I think so much of that is due to the fact that people had fun doing this treasure hunt and 
that's meant that they've wanted to come and experience more and they've come to the show. As you're talking there, it makes me kind of think about the path that people should take. And I'm thinking if you're getting started right now and you went out to put a thousand pieces around the street, you wouldn't have the same reaction for what you had there. So I think people need to make sure that they do things in the right order and not just think, okay, well, I've got one fan. I'm going to go and create the best experience for that one fan ever. If they're trying to turn their passion into a career and they need enough money to sustain them and that one person that is their currently only fan is not enough to sustain them so i think what the probably the best route to approach is is to just get so good at something and i think we always come back to the work and the work being the most important thing and the work being the best get so good at something that you start to get people pay you for what you do and as soon as you get to a stage where you're like okay well i'm at a level now of people supporting me based on me being so good at what I do that they're willing to pay for my service, they're willing to contribute to me in some way to allow me to be sustained as an artist, as a creative. And then once you hit that stage, then it's all about experience. It's trying to like make the people who are already there have the best time ever, building those relationships deeper and deeper and deeper. Because once you've got that kind of smallest viable audience, that group of people who can sustain you, you don't need more than that. And I think you see it all the time when you when you look at the studies that have done in terms of happiness and wealth and kind of working out okay as soon as you hit over this certain threshold people's happiness doesn't increase anymore and then like after a certain point it starts to go down and i think you see this with businesses as well like you think about things like instagram or facebook or those kind of businesses that when they first started they were great and you built a big enough audience and it was amazing and everyone had really good experience on that thing and it suddenly got to us then they just kept growing and kept growing and they're just in this idea of well we just need to be the biggest we just need to keep going whereas actually obviously they would be a very different company now to what they are but if they'd have got to a level where okay we've got our audience this is all we need so let's just make this the absolute best experience for the people we currently have rather than just try and scale and try and get everything and not really have much of a relationship with anyone but they're just kind of using the service and we're just making money from it because i feel like there's no Instagram's not happy because of that. It's just this machine that keeps ticking along. And this reminds me when we talked to Amanda Palmer because she's a musician and she has a Patreon. She has a community of people that support what she does every day. And she can just do what she wants to do all the time now because she's got this audience of people who love what she does. And all she all her focus is now is to provide these people with things that are going to benefit them to enrich their lives in some way to create the work that she wants to create because she knows that those people are going to like it so i think yeah that's the the kind of order that we need to do things get so good that we start to build the audience based on our talent based on people thinking we're good based on the value that we can provide them and then once you've hit that level then start like stop trying to grow further maybe kind of like obviously keep coming some people will slowly drop out of time you kind of need a little bit of to come in but once you've kind of hit that level you don't need it to overflow. You can kind of then work on like making that as great as an experience as possible. And I suppose now you're in that situation where you can think like, ah, well, that was really fun. People had such a good time doing this. And from what we talked about earlier, by building those relationships, that's going to lead to more likely sales in the future because they're going to buy you. Like they say, like people buy people, like people are going to buy into you and who you are. And you're now in a situation where you can just keep like, adding more value making it better making it better so those people who are already there are like well why would i want to go to anyone else because i've not got the relationship with anyone else i love this person i love this craft i love this thing that they're doing and i want to i want more of that you know what the interesting thing has been you mentioned before that we used to have our little gallery space 
when and whenever anyone walked into that space i used to think this is a potential customer and they might buy a painting so i need to sell them yeah. to them and i need to tell them how amazing all of these paintings are etc 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 doing this show i have not felt that at all because i've got the the sort of quiet confidence of i know that the people that want to buy these paintings are going to make it clear they're going to come in and they're going to buy the paintings and that's that is what's happened i've very nearly sold the show out and so what happens then is i now that i'm relieved of that burden of sales literally like when someone walks in like so a, a guy walked in the other day and his first line was i wish i could afford one of these paintings but i but i can't and it was like cool and i had just as long a conversation with him as i have with everyone that's come through the door because it's no longer about trying to get the sale for me now because i have this confidence that those sales are inevitably going to come because i have enough people like i'm oversubscribed there's enough people that want my work yeah. that are going to that are going to pay for it that now it is just relationship building and i don't need him to the the guy who came in i don't need him to ever buy anything from me i do still want to have a connection with him i do still love that he took time out of his day to come and see my work and that he told me he takes snaps of all my stuff around shoreditch and that like that is really cool for me so i want that to continue and it's just a really nice place to be in and i know it doesn't come overnight and i it's definitely a position that i want all of our listeners to get to and so the tangible advice there would be i i feel that i've got to this stage because i've i've not focused on selling with my stuff at all it's always been here's my work here's what i'm trying to do here's what i'm feeling what i'm going through in my life also it's here if you want to buy it and so i feel like i've got to that stage because i've been focusing on the work and the sales is always going to be a part of it it's always going to be a factor but focusing on the work is the most important thing and i think as well going back to the guy who came in and said oh, I wish I could afford this. Like you will find people who can't afford that now, but they might be able to afford that in future or they'll save up for it. So for example, there's been a few people that have said to me like, oh my God, I'd love to shoot with you. I just can't afford it yet. And they've kind of like saved up over a few months to be able to go and do that because for them, that is something that they want to experience. It is something that they want to have. And I think also what you did well with your show is you had a good tier of products. So obviously you could go in and buy the kind of bigger canvases that were like expensive or there was still affordable things that you could take away as well so there was prints there there was like a level that no matter who you were there would be something for you but then also by having that tiered system as well for the people who did want to buy the big pieces who kind of wanted the status to say that I've got the biggest piece in this show like that the, the option was there for them to do that too so I think people will take different things away from it people will come into it being like I'm just your fan. I've listened to the podcast. I don't have loads of money, but I'd love to buy a small print as a way to help support you as an artist and just to say thank you for all of the work you've done there. And then there'll be other people who are like, this guy is really cool. I will get status by having a piece of his in my house. It, like looking at that every day will make me think like I'm cool. I'm a part of this thing. And there's all these different people that are going to come into it from completely different ways, but allowing there to be different things that people can take away from that, I think are really important as well. Well, thanks for calling me cool, mate. That's very kind of you. Um, yeah, and it goes back to to the Ribena and, and the craft beer, doesn't it? It's it's those people who have bought a painting 
they're going to hang it in their house because of who it says to them that they are, that they're someone who's interested in street art. I think I think with my stuff at the moment, it's like I'm definitely a new face. I'm I'm creating work that's not been seen before. So if you've got my work, you're very current like you're probably ahead of the curve it's not like my stuff's been seen for years and years it's like i've been working i've been working on our business for the past 10 years really wasn't putting any of my personal work out there at all and i and i think through having these conversations i think i'm starting to understand what it is we spoke before about feeling i think i'm starting to understand what it is people feel about my work and why they buy it which which allows me to continue making work it allows me to make my work that I enjoy making that I know is also commercially viable because people want to be a part of it if we're talking about happiness because I, I feel like all of the themes in this in this episode of of all like shaking each other's hands if I think about happiness I am really really happy when I'm making work and then knowing that that work is going to impact people in some way that that's what gets me out of bed in the morning and I think as well when you talked about there how you're kind of relatively new to the market so you're more current <clears throat> some people who are going to purchase there are going to want to be like I was there at the start I was there like I saw that he was going to get really big 10 years ago and that's why I bought one of his early pieces so that's why I think if you see an industry that you think okay that's fully saturated anything you go into there's going to be room for new people to come into it to disrupt that in some ways just be a new face in it a new personality because even if like the work's similar like so much of what we talked about here is how the relationships you form with people are actually one of the most important parts in anything and so when you guys interact with us on instagram or send us a dm at rebels create on the gram we often go and have a look at the profiles we want to like know our listeners and i would say most people have like on average between 100 and 2000 followers like somewhere between that range and you guys are in such a lucky position if you realize that those people that are following you now are your day oneers and your day oneers are like yeah. they are your foundation and so rather than like worrying about when you're going to get to 10k or 20k or whatever it might be look after those people that are with, that are there right now it's what adam's done it's what i've done and and will continue to do even though we've got a sort of quite large followings now but our career is built on the backs of those people that believed in us in the beginning when it wasn't cool and trendy because we had a small number i mean in 2020 i had i think 900 i started with 900 um instagram followers and all of those would have been just been podcast listeners. And there was nothing really on my Instagram. That was just kind podcast listeners who had decided to follow my personal account, even though I wasn't doing anything with it. And that was my base that I built with. And when you are in that position, it's difficult to ask for a follow because you don't have the social proof. So the people that do actually bother to follow you, they see something in you and they love to be right. So prove them right. Like, carry on making amazing work because they believed enough in you to give you a follow to take <laughs> it's like it's such an easy thing to do to follow someone it's just a click of a button but yet we are so protective of like giving away because we know then that that person is going to be renting our time they're going to be taking our attention so if someone's bothered to do that for you and your work then nourish that relationship love it look after it, it is the most important thing to you that's really interesting as you're saying that i'm thinking okay well who were the first few people that i ever like did a portrait session with and when i think about the first three people i still talk to all of them now 
and yeah. like there's still a relationship there and like one of them now lives in Spain but she's coming back soon and like she's like oh let's meet up for like a drink we'll do like a shoot or something it's like there's those relationships you meet in the early days are the ones that are going to last because it's those people who put their trust their faith in you when you didn't have the kind of like so-called like fame behind you they're not trying to get in there for any level of status it's just they're in there just for the relationship and based on the skill that you currently have so I think yeah it's always those initial relationships that are going to be like the most valuable and you will meet other people along the way as well who bring lots of value to you as well as you bring it to them but I think it's interesting because as the as your career progresses it's like people are going to come to you for different things they're going to come to you because having your name associated to theirs is going to make them look better in some way whereas yeah those initial people those people who are following you now take note of who they are take note of who's commenting on things regularly take note on like who is always there showing up like watching all your stories like those people who might not even say something but the people who watch your stories all the time they're like your true fans they're the people who are always seeing what you're doing and whether they say anything or not like they are there and if you're not showing up for other people then no one's going to show up for you i think that's important as well so make sure you're out there supporting other people when your friend comes back in the country and wants to meet up for a shoot like i would imagine you're not going to charge her for that shoot and anyone that approaches Definitely you out of no. the blue yeah exactly and anyone who charges who approaches you out of the blue now like there's a charge associated with that because you don't have this existing relationship because that person was there in the beginning when you had zero followers and they believed in you so you have this relationship so i think i, I when i was i mentioned the writer that i i was with like i spent probably an hour like giving her as much help and advice as i could and she was so grateful and thankful and said, I can't believe you spent all this time on me. Like, And I said, well, if I didn't see any talent in you, then I wouldn't yeah. waste my time. But like, I want you to be successful. I think you have the, I think you have absolutely all of the talents that it takes to be successful. I, and I want to be proved right. And, and I said to her, it's also really smart business for me to be hooked up with a writer who's going to be going on to write books and being featured by all the major publications because she's really, really fucking good, well-known writer. So I was like, so it's smart for me to bet on you now because in the future you could be someone amazing. It's what we've done with Burst London. I, like I know a lot of our listeners have gone and, and followed them. Burst have definitely noticed it. They're still carrying on to do amazing things. They're, they're finding their niche. They're putting on all of these events. They're growing, they're growing. And for us, that's smart to be hooked up with like, we're getting on a bit now. We're getting a little bit older. And that's the youth. That's the youth movement that's coming through. Like, of course, I want to stay current and know what's going on and know what Gen Z are interested in and all of this sort of stuff. So I, I want to be a day one supporter of them. If I wait until Burst London's got 100,000 Instagram followers and try and approach them then, I mean, maybe my DM's going to get through. Maybe it's not. So getting in early with people that you see that potential with, following them and networking with them and being like, okay, well, I know at some point we can take over the world together. Make those relationships, make them now while it's easy. It's so interesting you're saying that because so much of what I do day to day is building those relationships and people I see, see potential in. Like I've just had someone working for me for the past couple of months, kind of helping me with like TikToks and like different videos just shooting behind the scenes stuff while I'm shooting. And they told me something like whilst like we were just kind of like chatting and they basically kind of told me the story their story of getting to where they are now and how much they've kind of like gone through and the level of like time it take them to travel to get to certain events to just do stuff and I'm like fuck 
there's so much potential in you because you've got that commitment to like like the amount of you've done in this short period of time i can see you being successful like your drive your ambition like the to skill that you have already you're you can't not succeed if you keep going at the same velocity you are now and so then i was like okay well i because you because you see that potential in someone it's like as you were saying there of the writer it's like i'm prepared to give them so much more time because i can see that potential so i think if you're listening to this and thinking like okay i'm early on in my journey how can i get people to support me how can i make those bigger connections it's like show your potential like put your work out there because unless people can see it unless you tell your story about where you've come from like what you've done to get to where you are people won't be able to see that potential so people won't give you that chance and if you're early on in your journey it's quite hard to get chances especially from bigger people like because people's time is very precious so to have those conversations to be in the rooms of the people you would love to talk to is really hard but remember that people who are in that position have got there because they once had potential and they went to achieve that potential so if you can show them that you have that too they're so much more likely to give you their time so yeah prove to people that you can do this thing you're going to do in the future and i think you can do that with like the consistency of your work like putting things out really regularly because if someone comes to me and they're like oh can you help me with something and i went and looked on their instagram feed and i'm like well the last time you posted was three months ago and then the time before that was five months ago and there's nothing actually on there i'm not going to spend my time helping you because i don't think that that's really going to amount to anything because you've not proven that before Whereas if you can go to someone and prove like, look, I've been posting every single day for the past year. I'm really dedicated to this. I'm going to give you my time because I feel like, hey, well, my time's going to be well spent with you because all in, like, I'm basically kind of like just giving you fuel for this fire. It's already going. I'm, I don't want to be the one to have to ignite that. We are both obsessed with potential. I think it's why we do this show. And the most rewarding thing for us is seeing and hearing from listeners that have made a success, that they've put the stuff that we talk about into action they've made that commitment to 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 step beyond what everyone else is willing to do to do more it was what i was saying to the writer i was like okay well now you've got to write and you've got to write more than anyone yeah. else and you've got a sacrifice like everything has to be paid for somehow so you've got to find the time and i i like i need you to see i need to see you producing like two or three articles a week and that through that is how you're going to get noticed it's how it's how people are going to trust and want to hit that follow button is because they know that you're not going to let them down. You're going to give them regular entertainment. If they like what you're doing, they want to see it a lot, not a little. And I think so many of you out there do have it's such incredible potential. And so much of what is holding you back is just your own selves of not having the confidence to just go for this, to just say, okay, well, this is head down for the next three years. Perfect my craft, do the thing that I love, do it as much as humanly possible and i think on a long enough timeline if you do that you start to become noticed you start to really fall in love with what you do you start to make connections and you can start turning what you love into your actual career boom yep we love hearing about all your successes so like if you've got anything that you've done recently anything you've you're proud of like just share it with us on instagram at rebels create uh, if you've got any value from this episode please share it in your stories and like tag us in it it's always good to know who's actually listening to this Um, because we are watching we're always watching have a good week